Greetings, everyone. I'm excited to welcome Thomas Ramsey, founder and CEO of Neurons. Thomas, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Ben. Great to be here. Yeah, great to have you. So, hey, let's start this out. Tell us a little bit about your background in SaaS. Yeah, so so the background in SaaS started, you know, all the way back to doing, you know, my own background is neuroscience and psychology. So that's where it all started. So I have a kind of pretty hefty, you know, deep tech and deep science background. Um, there was a realization when I started that we needed to, you know, marketing was in a crisis that we couldn't just ask people questions uh, with focus groups and surveys and interviews that there was a need for a kind of different data point. So uh, I started kind of uh, dabbling into the space and that becomes like a whole mix of science, but also technology, because the, the recent kind of advances in neuroscience hinges a lot on, you know, recent advancement in technology as well. Uh-huh. So, you know, when we started the company, uh, we started to kind of focus on how can we not only kind of do the deep tech, but how can we scale, make that scalable? And that was kind of a big challenge. So Ever since the beginning, we started doing some uh, computational software to see are people really interested in that. We tried to make some of these uh, solutions available through platforms. Uh, so, you know, back in 2013, 14, for example, try to make platforms um, that people can log in and they could um, change their, uh, you know, upload their materials and have it tested on the fly, uh, basically, or through different panels, uh, kind of neural panels, if you like. The market wasn't really ready for it at that mm-hmm. point, but um, we see today that that has changed. So um, with all that, you know, all the challenges at that time, like 10 years ago, you can imagine that the SaaS journey has been long. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so your background, is it a, a like educationally like a science background or or tech or tell us a little bit more about your background there? Sure. I, um, I actually have a pretty kind of mixed background. I did uh, kind of, first of all, business and administration uh, first mm-hmm. in Norway before I moved to Denmark and uh, did and completed my psychology and neuropsychology degree. Uh, so I worked many years as a clinical neuropsychologist, um, helping patients, um, you know, dementias and strokes and things like that, uh, both in terms of assessment. So the whole element of learning, what is a good score? What is a good metric? How can we use that to predict an outcome, for example? Um, that's kind of been you know, my bread and butter for quite some time. And then I did a PhD in uh, neurobiology. So and neuroimaging, as it's called. So using these kind of brain scanners in different types. So I used uh, MRIs or fMRIs to look at brain activity, to study different types of emotional and cognitive responses in people, and uh, and also looking at decision-making more and more. So then after my PhD, I went straight, my postdoc basically became kind of, uh, you know, starting off and in, in, in heading a center for what's called Center for Decision Neuroscience, which is you know, trying to understand the brain mechanisms underlying our choices uh, and not not in kind of a uh, artificial test environment, but more in kind of real life situations. So we had a very tight co- collaboration with the Danish Tech University here in, in Copenhagen to kind of you know, challenge what is what is doable. Uh, you know, can we bring a brain scanner into the store environment, for example? So that was uh, some of the early strides we made there. So, so always yeah. in the, from the beginning, I've been working very much on kind of hard science, uh-huh. uh, but also, you know, technology innovation, but also trying to make that accessible and understandable and useful for commercial companies. Wow. Yeah. So technical background, but more on the science side versus say, you know, software engineering, really interesting. So tell us a little bit about what Neurons does. Yeah, so Neurons has, uh, you know, when we started, the focus was basically on building good metrics using neuroscience that were useful 
for companies. So when you want to test an ad, for example, you know, do people see it? Do they respond emotionally to it? Do, do they understand it? And do they, you know, will they remember it and act on it? So we came up with a lot of different kind of measures based on brain scanning and, and eye tracking that could answer those questions and turn that around into something useful for the clients. Uh, of course, that's a fairly expensive approach, right? It costs something like $30,000 for a study and it takes you weeks and you have to actually understand the work and things like that. So uh -huh. what we try to do at the same time was also to build this in parallel, this kind of online presence of, you know, what if you can upload an image and get a prediction of, you know, what people will pay attention to. In the beginning, uh -huh. I would say, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't really have the AI revolution we see today. We had a lot of data. Uh, but in recent years, we realized that we could uh, actually use the vast amount of data that we had to, um, to basically kind of create these AI tools that now can predict just within seconds, actually, what we normally would use, you know, weeks to, mm -hmm. to measure. Um, so now what we are doing is that we have a whole kind of SaaS business now that is taking over, so to speak. The, you know, we have the neuroscience at the foundation. We're now we're build, building SaaS products that are, you know, allowing people to predict how people will respond to anything from a website to a packaging to an ad on different social media, for example, just within seconds. Well, yeah, really interesting. So like you said, you're trying to make this like that science scalable and also say affordable, shorten that time frame from those the kind of the weeks of studies that are expensive to make this scalable. So what would be a use case like a big say a consumer brand, I don't know, Procter and Gamble, you know, things are you targeting these large enterprises, you know, these large consumer enterprises or tell us a little bit about a use case. Yeah. So we actually started, actually the company was actually even named by one of the people we started working with uh, initially from Lowe's, uh, you know, the home improvement company. Yeah. Oh, okay. Started working very closely with, you know, uh, home improvement and DIY uh, companies from, from, from day one. And they, you know, what we, because of the technology and the science being fairly complex and taking time, it also meant that we were approaching companies that had a you know fairly good budget for for doing this type of research, and also were risk seeking into or risk willingness so uh, was high so to speak to um, allow you know uh, these studies to 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 run to completion. So I think that mm -hmm. that was kind of in the beginning, and that also mm -hmm. perpetuated to you know us talking a, a lot to the Fortune 500 companies in the beginning. Uh -huh. uh, now we see a total shift in that. We see that we're still, you know, talking to the same companies and they're adopting the tech, SaaS technologies that we have, but we also are approaching the SMEs and, you know, a vast, you know, much bigger part of the market because now this technology becomes, you know, for a fraction of a cost, you can, you can, you can get full access to this, you know, unlimited access to it. So now we have a different strategy that we are still talking to the bigger companies. We're, uh, we're approaching the SME market. And then there's a third type of market where we're talking to, you know, uh, companies that have their own platforms. So we can loop in kind of an API into their platform. Oh, wow. So this helps, like, are you working then with their sales and marketing, maybe even product teams to just refine that messaging, you know, and how it's presented and the copy and colors, I don't know, images, you know, just to improve that, I guess, ad experience, which ultimately, you know, they hope will, you know, it results in more revenue. Yeah, the you know if you take the ad market for example, they, 
we 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 might think that advertising is just it's solved. You know, you just uh -huh. do it this way, and you know everything is honkadori. Just everyone you know clicks on that button. It, it just doesn't work that way. The yeah. there's an old saying in marketing from uh, a guy called uh, Paul Wanamaker. He said, you know, half of my marketing budget is wasted. I just don't know which half it is, <laughs> and that still holds yeah. up. Um, you know, I think that when we talk about designers, when we talk about brand owners, we talk about marketeers and SMO uh, CMOs, for example we see that um, there's a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of A-B testing, just see what sticks, so to speak. So uh, what we hear again and again is that um, people in the marketing industry, there's basically just putting a lot of stuff out there and seeing what sticks. You know, mm -hmm. they don't even know should it, which social media should it be on. Mm -hmm. and what we are offering is that you can use this tool as an early betting tool. So you can say, okay, just we need to do a design, you know, while we are designing the ad, for example, Let's try it out. Let's try four or five, 10 different versions out and see, do we get attention to the, the brand that we want? Do mm -hmm. we, you know, if there's a call to action, for example, do people actually see it in the first place? And also how are they responding emotion to, to that? And uh, so some of the, the solutions that we have will actually answer that in just you know, 10, 15 seconds. Yeah, wow, I love that. So what, what year was your company founded? So formerly we were founded in 2013. Uh, okay. So that was, uh, you know, we, I had a sole proprietorship before that, but that was turned into Euronsync. But the formal date is uh, January 1st, uh, 2013. So we're hitting the uh, the uh, the 10 year anniversary here in uh, January 1st. That's great. Congratulations. And did it start as a software, say, SaaS company, or was it more like services that evolved into a, a SaaS platform? Definitely started as a soft, uh, sorry, as a uh, as a consultancy. Yeah. You know, being a kind of bespoke solutions and things like that. But even then, we had you know part of the. Uh, let's put it this way: I had uh, one of the, uh, the the head of international research for Lowe's. He came visiting me while I was at the Copenhagen Business School, a professor there. I was just dabbling in some MATLAB code and trying out, you know, uh, seeing if some of these recent models could predict visual attention. He asked, you know, what what is that? You know, it's a uh, you know, well, it's kind of just a heat map that tries to explain or to predict where people are going to look. He's like, okay, I need that. So <laughs> it all actually started in, you know, me providing him with a Dropbox that he could just drop some images in and that will be grabbed by my computer and analyze it, throw it back in a different folder. That's that's how it started in 2013 as well. So it's been kind of a parallel journey. So I wouldn't say that we we're not at any point mm -hmm. doing any kind of SaaS uh, business, but it's, mm -hmm. as you probably heard many people before, mm -hmm. it's kind of dabbling in this space for quite some time and now it's kind of kicking off, right? Yeah, that's pretty amazing, right? I've got a Home Depot around the corner, a Lowe's around the corner, and you, you think of these big box stores and just, you know, moving their product, but really all that stuff that goes under on underneath in the operations of just how they're trying to figure out consumer behaviors is really fascinating. Exactly. Uh, and now where is your company located then? So we are headquarters is in Copenhagen in Denmark, uh, but we have offices in uh, Japan or also representations in Japan, Australia, India, Turkey, Italy, Brazil, uh, oh, wow. and the US. So it's okay. quite, quite broad mouth. Uh, we've been yeah, that is. since day one. We've, the vast majority of our work has been in the US. Okay. Vast majority in the US. Okay. And tell us about your team size. How many, how many staff do you have? Yeah, it's uh, changing by the day almost, I feel. So it's uh, <laughs> right now we are, I think uh, it says 88 people. If you take the uh -huh. hourly paid people, we're at 97 people, I think. 
Okay. Okay. So about 88, maybe FTs, but around 97 total heads. Okay. Yeah, and out of that, we're like, you know, in the science team alone, which is uh, part of the pride here, is the part of the kind of the uh -huh. the, the workhorse is uh, 25, 27 people. Okay. Yeah. So tell me. Yeah. So I'm guessing that yeah, a product like this, right? A lot of tech folks, engineers, to to get, just get this product up and running and, and, and improve it over time. Then. Yeah, you can say that our, our approach has in the beginning, we instead of going the kind of the black box, uh, black box route, mm -hmm. we chose from the beginning to say, we want to have a fully transparent model as far as we can go, right? So we have focused more on having what's called a kind of protective uh, or defensive publications. That means that we're actually publishing scientific journals and leading scientific journals, mm. some of the metrics we have and say, you know, we're the best at doing this. Uh, you know, you should come to us because why go, you know, uh, to another vendor that keeps uh -huh. it in the black box when you can come to us where everything is known, right? I love that. And Tell us anything you want to share around your your revenue range or ARR or general scale there. Yeah, sure. Uh, so we expect so right now we're about 1.3, 1.5 in in the uh, euros, uh, million mm -hmm. euros in ARR. We expect end of year to be uh, up towards the 2.0 uh, million mm -hmm. euros, uh, and then uh, next summer we are expecting something like five million euros uh, uh, by uh, mid year. Oh wow, that's that's awesome. Uh, it's aggressive, but we're hitting the marks still. So that's uh, even in this hit, environment, we're still hitting it. So yeah, that's great hitting those plan numbers, those quarterly numbers. I love it. So and so you recently raised some money. So it looks like you just raised what six million euros seed round. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Six point oh eight million euros. That is. So okay. Yeah. And was that your first raise, or had you raised before? We had raised before a kind of pre-seed round. Mm -hmm. uh, so this was a it's a seed round. And uh, so in total, we have raised uh, 7 million euros and then some venture debt. Okay. Plus venture debt. Uh, and then what, you know, what did you see? Like what was happening in the business or in the market? Did you see any triggers or milestones that said, hey, you know, we're ready for a raise because we feel like hey, we can really deploy this capital well. You know, what, what did you see that said, hey, it's time to, to raise a significant round? Yeah, I think that it all came back to, you know, this kind of uh, initial market fit. So it's a product mm -hmm. market fit that we saw that, as I mentioned before, is like the market wasn't really ready when we tried out this early on for having kind of platform accessibility. People weren't really used to do that. What we've seen is that we've seen this kind of platform revolution, right? Is that mm -hmm. people are just so used to using platforms, both as a B2C client, but also a customer, but also as a B2B client, right? So people are just getting used to, to platforms. Mm -hmm. And I saw that at the same time that we saw that movement, we've also seen that people see the, uh, the, the added value, so to speak. And the, the typical kind of feedback we got, got from clients, our prospective clients, was that, you know, this is, this is amazing. Why haven't I heard about this before? I just need it. Bring, can I please have it now, right? Mm -hmm. so, so just an obvious fit for our product at this time that probably wasn't there three, three four years ago. Um, so we we uh, basically wanted to add fuel to that to that growth. That was kind of the, the, the idea behind it. Okay, so interesting because right, a lot of people have different definitions for product market fit. You know, seeking that elusive fit, and so you just saw it through customer feed or prospect feedback, having those prospect calls, those sales calls, and just that initial reaction. I'm guessing for the most part was like, wow, this is a great product. You know, how do I sign up? Yeah, you can see that we, we have the easiest time um, hiring salespeople because they, they go to, on a single, we have people coming in on the first day, they actually land the first deal. 
mm-hmm. because it, it's such a kind of a self-selling product at this time that people, it's very intuitive. You go online, you get a heat map back, you can see exactly what people will pay attention to and not pay attention to and how they will respond as well. And it's just very intuitive for people to use. And it just turns around to, you know, an, an ARR uh, for them as well. Yeah, so that visual demonstration really kind of re- versus just talking in some PowerPoint slides, you know, it's just showing something. Science, man. It's so hard. Yeah. So, you know, this, is, this is very intuitive. It's very forgiving. So, yeah. Yeah. And then tell us a little bit about your, you, you mentioned sales reps. So what is the current go-to-market motion? Is that outbound, cold calling? You know, how are you reaching your prospects? Yeah, it's, it's a good combination. We, uh, we actually got a little bit late uh, kicked off with the marketing properly. So, so uh, that meant that a lot of outbound in, in the beginning, we have mm-hmm. a extremely well-performing uh, sales engine and the whole sales team has been ramped up. You know, the usual SDRs and the AEs and things like mm-hmm. that. So, so that's, they, they're performing very well and extremely well on you know, outbounds. But now we're also, um, you know, we're catching up on the marketing. So it's now becoming much more like a good blend of inbound and outbound. Okay. And what, what's like an average deal size that these reps are selling? Uh, 15 to 20,000 euros. Okay. 15 to 20,000 euros. Okay. That's kind of and the do, normal size, but then normal. Yeah. It, can, it can be bigger because, you know, sometimes you have, you know, larger clients that want to have bigger teams, they want to have mm-hmm. A package that has more uh, parts, so to speak. But mm-hmm. for for the SMEs, for example, that would be typically like fifteen to twenty thousand euros. Okay. And and are these like tell us a little bit about the sales cycle, right? You're talking like Fortune five hundred large global organizations. I mean, are these is this you know do they see your heat map and it's like hey let's sign up quick sales cycle or does it take a couple months to work through their procurement process? Yeah, you know, the, the, the behemoths are typically the slowest ones, right? Yeah. They're super tankers and you need uh, to go through, you know, legal hoops and, you know, it's just the usual. And I think that is, you know, these days we've seen that the legal teams actually are even slower than before that for some reason. <laughs> but I, th- I think that the uh, the SMEs are just uh, turning things around very quickly. Yep. And I think that the, the actual time is just a matter of just a few weeks, actually, mm-hmm. from the initial contact to the, the actual sales. So it's a very okay. short sales cycle for even for this type of deal size and this type of you know complexity, if you like. Of, mm-hmm. Yeah, really interesting. And, and are you sell, selling then annual contracts, multi-year contracts then? Yeah, it's yeah. a typical annual project, uh, but, but uh, our contract, but it's it does depend on the the type of client we're working with. So for the, yeah. some of the bigger companies, for example, they tend to be multi-year. Okay, and then your your pricing model for this is this kind of like a usage, you know, how much they push through your platform, a fixed price per month. Tell us a little bit about the pricing. Sure, we have uh, two kind of main SaaS products. So we have one which we call Predict, and that's uh, as the name says, it's uh, you go to the platform and you predict uh, whatever the client will, uh, the customer will respond to. That's an unlimited use. So it's a one-off uh, annual cost, and you get five seats typically for uh, about twenty thousand euros. And then mm-hmm. as you go, you are then, uh, you know, it's unlimited use for images mm-hmm. and videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have the second part, which is uh, what we call explore. So this is where you have to, you want to test people, what you want to do it in an online forum. You want to test people for their subconscious responses. Mm-hmm. And we have some, res- uh, we have some solutions for that, that we are using panel testing, but instead of, or in addition to asking questions, we're giving them tasks so we can know exactly you know, does this ad lead to an increase mm-hmm. in a certain association to my brand, for example? Mm-hmm. That takes uh, three days, uh, for example, for, for an answer to get through. Uh, typically, that would take weeks again. 
That mm -hmm. model is uh, it's uh, you buy for a kind of a credit system. So you typically buy 10 to 12 credits per year. Um, and then it's an annual renewal. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. And then, you know, you just raised the, the 6 million euros. Any tips or tricks or lessons or painful moments that you can share with founders listening you know, to help them out in their fundraising journey? Sure. I think there's two types of, of learnings. One, one is the actual funding round itself. And then the second is how, you know, how, how are you spending your money? <laughs> how are you actually building? How are you growing your SaaS business? If you take kind of the funding round, I think that what we've seen, I think our, 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 our transparency model actually comes, you know, is very beneficial for us at the, in the end. We, you know, we've, from day one, we just say, you know, honesty, transparency, are our key values that we we cherish and i think that if things uh if we have challenges we we will be upfront about it and say you know these are some of the things that we are you know battling with these days and these are the initiatives we have it makes it much easier to actually talk uh, talk more frankly there's no mm -hmm. surprises in the in the conversations we're having and you're not bringing anything late to the table either uh, and it's not you know it's not nothing to hide so to speak doing a, a, a dd process for example so mm -hmm. there's just tons of things that um that that is learning in that that's the first thing the second is that you know start earlier than you think uh, for the funding uh, round mm -hmm. it's like the classical one is that you end up with you know some stress at the end because you feel that you know should you you should have started earlier it get pressured uh, you would like to close it sooner than uh, later so that's a good learning so mm -hmm. start typically a couple of months before you actually think you need to start mm -hmm. um also you know this whole thinking about being selective uh, about who you're talking to that's one thing kind of vet your you know who you're talking to and you know check them out um mm -hmm. it's very easy to get people excited about certain things or feel that they're excited and then don't wait for them to it's like a dating game as everyone says right so mm -hmm. i think that uh, what we had good success with would also to focus very much on who do we want to bring in um even though you might be in a tight spot and you know mm -hmm. you might think that you are uh, on the lower end of that negotiation think differently you know mm -hmm. think that who how can i bring these people on you know do i actually want to to work with them would i in any, any other context would i work with them Mm -hmm. and, uh, beyond that can then challenge us in a positive way um not just believe in us right mm -hmm. i think that that's uh we have also chosen to be very uh to bring in active uh investors so people who are contributing um mm -hmm. that depends on your model of course you know what do you actually do you want passive money or active money okay that's great and then you mentioned uh oh yeah go ahead yeah sorry so the second part is like yeah. how do you, uh, a couple of um, learnings from the just uh, the SaaS. Uh, if I could talk to my future, uh, my, my, not my future, my past self yeah. uh, on this journey, I would say, you know, hire the leaders that, you know, the expensive leaders sooner than you think, you know, the, 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 don't think about building your team bottom up when you got, when you get the funding, think about bringing people in and then let them decide who to bring in because they have the experience. They should know who to bring in. Mm -hmm. I think that I, I wish I knew that before. Um, We've been extremely fortunate with the people we have brought in, but I wish that we could have bring, brought them in sooner. Let's put that the leadership. Um, and I think that you know, for me, it becomes more and more obvious that um, I wish I could have spent er more time early on in defining the you know the vision and the mission and the mantra and the kind of the uh -huh. DNA of the companies, uh, because that as we are growing now, we, it's it's really obvious that we need to be the storytellers. We need to keep on 
iterating. It's almost like being a politician. You need to say the same thing again and again and again and again mm -hmm. to different people so they can connect the dots, right? I think that is, you know, as we grow the SaaS uh, business, things are moving so fast mm -hmm. um, that you have to be that, the person that, you know, the, the, the spider in the web, if you like, that brings everything together in a kind of a narrative form. That's great. And I love that, you know, bring those leaders in sooner, you know, let them build the team, yeah. you know, from the bottom up. And then that's a great, I mean, that's a great piece of advice. So tell us what does, you know, because you see a lot of founders who, you know, they're that sole person at the top, sole decision maker, you know, and all that weight is on them. So tell us about a little bit about how your executive team looks, you know, do you have C-level titles, VP level titles who are on your exec team supporting you? Yeah, we have director level uh, and one VP level. So we have VP of sales. We have, uh, and that was coincidental that we could, we had a person that was an advisor for the board. He uh, suggested himself to come in as a VP. Uh, he's, you know, definitely one of the best sales uh, people I've ever uh, had and dreamt of having. So it was just a golden opportunity we mm -hmm. could not pass. Um, besides that, we have directors for uh, finance. We have it for marketing. We have for products. Uh, we are bringing in currently a director of science and then also we have uh, people in culture director as well and then vp of sales um so these are you know the roles that we currently have uh -huh. um i think that um when it comes to uh you, you asked the question about that i think that uh -huh. we brought in i can't remember that yeah no that was great it's just you know because that really helps founders who they're thinking about that first, you know, C level or VP level higher. And it's like, where do I go? How do I do this? Is it too early? You know, and just that struggle of how I build out that executive team to help them then scale. Yeah. yeah I think that what we did for some of them is that they started as head off and then, so they were mm -hmm. hitting a, a, a unit mm -hmm. and given certain types of, you know, commitments and uh, goals for them to achieve within a, a limited time, they would move up to a director level. And then we do mm -hmm. the same thing to move up to a VP level and then to a C-suite level. So, okay. or if they also choose, sometimes they say, hey, uh, this is great for me. I want to, I am where I want to be. Uh, uh, we're very aware of the, I'm not sure if mm -hmm. you were the Peter principle. So basically you can upgrade people to actually failure to sometimes mm -hmm. uh, just mm -hmm. before, because they're, they're performing well at one level you should not automatically just upgrade them uh -huh. to the next level because maybe they're not you know, made for that. Maybe that's not their area of expertise or where they want to be themselves. Yeah. Uh, I think the other thing is that, you know, one thing that is very uh, special in uh, Scandinavia, so you know, Denmark, Norway, and Sweden, is that we have a very kind of flat org structure. So although when you look at the org structure, it's very kind of, it's hierarchical, but that's more uh -huh. like how we put it up, set it up the actual day-to-day decision-making and it's much more kind of an even uh, playing field and everyone mm -hmm. can actually chip in. So I think that that philosophy, especially when we're moving fast and we're growing very fast, we need to have communication and we don't want to build walls. We don't want mm -hmm. to kind of build these kind of communication walls between uh, teams, for example. We want them to actually talk to each other, both horizontally, but also vertically. So that's kind of a very important thing when we're scaling. Yeah, I appreciate that advice, uh, that, that insight. So let's wrap up here. So what's next for your company? What's what's exciting that's coming up? Yeah, uh, we already now, so one thing as I mentioned, kind of we're predicting kind of attention. So this whole kind of prediction machine mm -hmm. like, is, is, of course, some of the stuff we're really excited about. So what we are already now having in beta, but we're releasing very soon, is uh, what we call sentiment AI. So not only predicting where people will look, but also how they will respond emotionally. 
Uh, what comes with that is the next generation of our AI tool. So instead of just um, kind of predicting a score, so you know how engaging will people find this, or how clear will they find it, or will they be more likely to buy something, for example, it will also uh, we're taking a next step that is called explainable AI. So that's more like you ask the AI model to basically come up with a heat map to explain itself. So. What is contributing in this ad, for example, to increase or decrease engagement? So as a designer, not only do you get a score from zero to 100, so let's say you get an engagement score of 74%. What does that mean? What should I do about it, right? So now you get a, a heat map on top of that that shows areas that you can work with to improve the score. So that's kind of the explainable mm -hmm. AI, if you like. That's the second generation of yeah. our tool, so to speak. So that, we're very excited about that because that's a kind of a game changer. And it all yeah. happens in you know, 15 seconds, right? It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, well, that's amazing. That's great. Well, Thomas, really appreciate you sharing your story, your background, and a little bit about what Neurons is doing. So if, if people, if the listeners want to learn more, where can they find you online? So the company website is called neuronsinc.com. Uh, that's uh, and you can also follow us on uh, as Neurons or Neurons Inc on LinkedIn. Uh, very active on LinkedIn. Uh, me, you can see me uh, either on LinkedIn or you can find mm -hmm. me at uh, thomasramsoy.com. Okay. Oy.com at the end. Okay. Oy. So Neurons Inc. N e u r o n s i n c dot com. So check Thomas out there. And Thomas, really appreciate your your insights and your stories today. Thanks. I love that, Ben. Thanks very much.